Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, welcome back to Style Over Substance with me, Scarlett. And I'm Mem. This week we have a really special episode. We are joined by Brian Sakawa. He is the man behind He Spoke Style, mm-hmm. the website and the YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. And of course, he is ever present on Instagram as well. He is the beacon of suave sophisticated menswear suited and booted Mm -hmm. his blog has been going since 2013 and he is just a really cool dude Mm -hmm. really down to earth yeah we really enjoyed speaking to him and so we hope you enjoy the episode as much as we loved recording it we approached you to kind of be our you're our first male guest actually um and well, I'm honored. yeah and <laughs> the first the first guest that we don't know personally and the reason why you came up on my radar to approach to have and come on our podcast is because when I got a job in it was in men's merchandising and it was in formal men's merchandising before prior to that I'd done men's leather goods and I was like, I think I really need to brush up on my suit, my suit knowledge, <laughs> because it was that would have been essentially the biggest part of my my job, like smart suit uh, suiting and things like that. And I felt like I really need to get to grips with terminology and styling and the sorts of men out there who are interested in this sort of thing. And I came across your YouTube and I have binged your YouTube (laughs) over the summer. (laughs) (laughs) So um, yeah, that's how I came to know He Spoke Style. And so when you say that you might not be the perfect guest for us, it's completely, you know, the opposite. Well, thank you. Thanks for for binging the channel too. Appreciate <laughs> it. <laughs> That's really become like a, a focus of mine um, over the years. I've I've been in the quote unquote influencer industry for mm-hmm. uh, about eight years now. Mm-hmm. And wow. uh, when I came into the, when I came into the industry, it was uh, it was just really different than it is now. And maybe it's just me, like being kind of like an OG and like, you know, older than, than a lot of like, you know, the, the, 
younger folks who who kind of are in the industry now, but you know, I like look back and I'm like, oh, remember the good old days when it was so simple and you know, people <laughs> just had a blog and everything, and that was like basically what we were measured on. And it's changed so much over the years. And one of the things that's been you mentioned the YouTube channel. I mean, basically, I started with with the website, mm-hmm. but the thing that uh, really drove me to focus on YouTube was the fact that I was just sort of feeling like Instagram is great and it's a really great place to share, you know, beautiful pictures and find inspiration and so on. But I feel, I felt like it was really hard to make a connection with people on the level that I was hoping to connect with them at. And in a way, I, I really view Instagram for me is the art gallery, right? It's the most perfect curated version mm-hmm. of what we want to put out about, about ourselves and or whatever we're trying to, uh, the story we're trying to tell about us and what we represent and the brand uh, that we represent, uh, whether it's a personal brand or a brand that we're working with. But it's such a passive medium right? I watch people scroll on Instagram and it's just like the photo is here and gone in yeah. seconds. And and in the engagement is very passive, like, you know, liking a photo or, hey, cool outfit or just these one word responses. I, and that was, that just like, for me, there was like something lacking in that. And I didn't feel like I had this personal connection with people. So, and then on the flip side of it is you see all people, people coming up and so on. And basically everyone's like taking the same pictures and wearing the same thing and going to the same place and taking the exact same shot of Positano or, you know, uh, (laughs) wherever in New York city, Mm -hmm. um, everyone becomes like a creative director and can just like mimic the photos that they're seeing. Uh, So I was sort of struggling with the, the idea of like, well, what, what are these people actually saying? What do they have to say? Like, what, what do they want to uh, communicate other than like, Hey, look at this pretty picture of myself. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And look at all these cool things I have, or these expensive things that I have, or these awesome places that I travel. Like, do they really have something to say? Do they really know what they're talking about? And the only way I could think to get past that was to actually go on camera and talk to people directly. And about, it was a big shift for us because from the beginning, like the focus was beautiful photography and um, very relatable style advice that was digestible, you know, not too much information, but just enough to kind of like get you through and like, you know, I want to come to something and read read about something and, and have some takeaways right away, right? I'm not writing an encyclopedia article about <laughs> something. <laughs> and I think a lot of people latched onto that and appreciated mm-hmm. it. So that was the focus. And then when we decided to focus more on video, it was, you know, it's we're a small team and we were even smaller back then, but it was like, okay, we need to set priorities here and decide what we're actually going to focus on. And this you know, we placed a bet, like, this is where we want to go. And this is why we want to do it. And um, I've really been 
overwhelmed with the response that we've gotten on the YouTube channel simply because of that, because I do feel that connection with people in a more genuine way than I ever have before. So, you know, it really reinvigorated my interest and excitement about sharing uh, my passion for men's style with more people because I, there's a more immediate connection with people and you can really see in their comments, people on YouTube take the time to write mm. uh, very thoughtful comments in yeah. a way that I had not experienced on, on Instagram. So, so there's that. Yeah, that's true. I think like with YouTube, it's more like an offering of like, if you have skills in a particular area, you can teach someone how to tie a tie someone like how to shop for certain things whereas instagram it's just about the look not in a bad way but in a right it's completely there are, two some, different there are some people who do a very good job of creating that engagement uh on instagram and they'll write very thoughtful captions there's a lot of people in watches that have amazing feeds on Instagram. Mm -hmm. A lot of people in watches will create a very, uh, have that sort of engagement, but in, in fashion and style, it's, it's rare. There are very few that create that sort of engagement that, that I, I crave with my audience. So YouTube has been the way that we've really been able to, to, to do that. I was just going to ask about, um, how that shift was, um, initially with YouTube, um, because like you said, YouTube was a very different world back then. So mm -hmm. it was much, it was much kinder. It was much less judgmental. And like, I guess that shift now, do you f find yourself sort of being more guarded or kind of, do you think you've now created kind of an audience that knows you and there's, there's no fear of judgment or all of that kind of a thing? Or do you find it much more judgmental and... Well, that, that, that's a really good question. And I think what, um, what you mentioned earlier about, you know, you're able to kind of, well, the, the great thing about YouTube is that you really find your tribe in a way, Yeah, you know, like if people don't like what you're talking about, they can just, they're not going to be fed that information, right? They if they're interested in, yeah, <laughs> if they're interested in style, they're, they're going to find the channel. And one of the one of the things that um, I think was kind of worked in our favor is that is the timing at which we decided to put our eggs in that basket. Not not all of the eggs, but um, you know, just like you know, I started about eight years ago. There's always like new people coming up and and have new voices being added to the conversation. But you know, over time, like people sort of like they like thirst for a different voice they want something different than what they're used to on the platform and youtube was the same in that there were uh, there's like a handful of you know ogs who've been around forever and the the they do their thing um and then but the people looking for the style information want to hear from someone different so we we came on i think at a good time when people are like man i want to i want to talk to someone else or get a different perspective. So in a way we were filling a little bit of a void, I feel. Mm -hmm. uh, and the way we approach content has always been, you know, approachable, relatable, digestible, not too much information. Mm -hmm. uh, like, Hey, like I'm, this is my journey. And this is, th these are the things that I've learned. And I think people really 
connected to that. And that's the same. That's the way that we approached making the YouTube content. And we also take, we also are very um, particular about how we shoot. Um, we only want to produce really high quality stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think on YouTube, people really respond to that. Like they can tell, yeah. you don't have to tell them like, Hey, like here's our setup and all the time we spent putting into our videos People can tell when you've yeah. mm-hmm. when you've put the effort into making something of quality for them. So uh, we get pretty good feedback. I don't necessarily like, as I said, if people don't like it, they're generally not finding it. I don't think, and it's mm-hmm. rare that we'll have you know something that is more divisive or that people get upset about. That's not really what I'm what I'm after when mm-hmm. I'm on YouTube. You know, I'm not. Uh, so it's more about just communicating with people and helping them achieve the goals that they want to achieve using style as a vehicle to do that. So um, you said, obviously, that you've been on YouTube for a while and, of course, Instagram. What is the reason that you wanted to? I mean, you're an influencer at this point, whether you like it or not. <laughs> when, when was the... Um, like turning point for you is like, yeah, I want to go into social media kind of in a professional sense and produce content about the topics that I love, which is like styling and men's fashion. And because, correct me if I'm wrong, your background is more of a musical musician background. Yes. Yeah. In a, in a, in the army. (laughs) Yes, that's right. Yeah. Wow. (laughs) So, so so that's a great, that's an awesome question, and I think the answer will be very unexpected. <laughs> okay. So, so you're correct. I'm a musician. I'm a, I'm a saxophonist, and I play the saxophone in the U.S. Army Field Band from Washington D.C. Our job is to connect Americans to the Army through music. I've been doing it wow. for just about 18 years now. It's pretty awesome. Mm. And what I love about it, and what I love about music, is that it allows me uh, to connect with people and make a difference in their lives in a very powerful way. It's not something that you can necessarily quantify, right? Mm. You can't say mm-hmm. like how many people you moved with this particular uh, you know, piece you might have played, but you all know and everyone knows that the power of music to move you, you you can it can it heals, it inspires, mm. it unites people, it can make you cry, it can make you laugh, it can make you feel something, it can make you remember a certain time in your life, right? That's a very powerful thing, and that's what I really love about it. So the truth is, when the the reason I got into it is I'm just like a very creative person. I have always had lots of extra projects in my life, um, so. When I started He Spoke Style, it was February of 2013. And that point in my life, I had stopped doing two uh, of my biggest extracurricular projects. So <clears throat> that was uh, racing a bicycle. <laughs> I raced for uh, about 10 years. and Wow had gotten to like the um, top level of amateur cycling, uh, won some races. And, you know, I was just, I was cooked. That was Mm -hmm. it. I was done. I, you know, I'd gone it, taken it as far as I wanted to. So after the season in 2012, uh, in the fall, I was like, I'm done. No more Mm -hmm. cycling. And that's something that I had like eaten 
breathed, slept, everything in my life revolved around that yeah. for close to 10 years. Um, also, at the same time, I had been running a music series in Baltimore, which is where I live, uh, as part of the Contemporary Museum, which uh, sadly no longer exists in town. But, uh, you know, this was something I did for five years. We produced uh, concerts of modern classical music. It sounds very nerdy, <laughs> but there was, you know, it was something I loved and uh, enjoyed. And, and we created a little bit of a uh, market for in the, in the city. It, it was very popular. And I just, you know, it's, it's a nonprofit world. And I was not just, it wasn't really my thing after doing it for five years. I'm like, you know what? I like playing. I like reaching people, but like the whole asking for money, you know, part of it to keep it going, you know, that just wasn't my thing. So I decided like, okay, we started this little series. We built it up to something pretty big. It had won like a, a national award for adventurous programming. I'm like, oh, all right, I, I did. I did it. It was fun. It's time to move on to something else. So I had cycling and the music series and that they had completely just like, I didn't have those anymore. So the, I didn't really have anything extra to do. Um, <laughs> and, uh, you know, I needed to get this energy out somehow. And mm. at that point I was, I was, I've always been interested in men's style, uh, particularly like more, you know, classic men's style and aware of the power that it has over someone to give them confidence and help them, you know, uh, what we say on the channel is unlock your potential. You know, mm-hmm. that's what I hear over and over again from people is that like dressing well makes me feel good about myself, gives me more confidence. And when I feel that way, I can achieve anything that I put my mind to. Mm-hmm. So that was something I was like, you know, there were a couple men's style websites out there, uh, but none that really spoke to me at the point. At that point, I was like 35 years old. There were just a handful of websites and they were, uh, they fell into two categories. They were like the very informational type of websites, very encyclopedic. Like if I wanted to learn about, you know, the history of the Ascot or something, you know, I could read 50,000 words about it on a particular website or in a particular forum, <laughs> you know? Um, but there wasn't a lot of like practical, there was nothing to like, it was all like archival photos. Mm-hmm. It wasn't anything that applied to me. But so if I like happened to be a gentleman in the 1920s and I wanted to know how to dress, like these were great resources. But for me yeah. as like a 35 year old guy uh, in 2012 or 13, that wasn't really uh, speaking to me. Uh, and then of course the other side of it was there were like younger guys with more of like a hip street style kind of thing. And that didn't really speak to me either because it just, although they had great inspiration, amazing photography, it just wasn't the way I liked to dress. Mm. So there really wasn't a website for that I could go to that spoke to me. And that was, that was like, that just resonated with me in that way. So I decided there's, there's gotta be like other people like me out there. Um, who may be having the same thoughts. So I'm like, I'm, t- I'm just going to like start this thing with, you know, hopefully it, you know, it's sharing my journey. That's basically how it started. Mm-hmm. And then um, 
it was just people latched onto it because I think it really did fill a void at the time uh, in the uh, menswear online. And it's crazy to think about how much it's evolved over then. But that's basically how uh, I got started and why I got started. And so when you started, did you have lots of pieces that you kind of already could style and put together? Or was it very much like, oh, this is what's available at this shop that I'm interested or I've just bought to put this look together because I'm striving to actually take my passion of smart dressing further. Um, Yeah. Did you have lots of stuff? Did you have to like build it up over the time for like newer looks and stuff? How would, how did that work? Yeah, that's a great question. I would say like this coincided with an awakening sounds wrong, but like, it's not an awakening. It was more like I've decided that I am going to finally put the effort into and thought into curating a wardrobe that I can wear and will make me feel good. So some of the pieces... I'm hoping this is going to happen for me one day. <laughs> <laughs> so so now, now, like, listen, like, what I've learned is that women dress very differently or their approach to dressing is very... Quite diff- chaotic. <laughs> very different than men. Like, I would say, and correct me if I'm wrong, I would say, like, women... Uh, tend to be more outfit driven and it's like oh there's this pretty dress like i want this pretty dress and like so you you buy like pieces but like guys a male approach to it at least that i found is that it's like i want to know what are the basic things i have need to have what what is this like foundational collection that i can build to and how versatile will it be how versatile can it be what's the maximum versatility that i can have what are those pieces that I need? And then from there, you kind of get like bit by the bug or, you know, you, you can expand into other areas. So to answer your question, I had like some things, but like really this was sort of the beginning of me kind of cataloging my journey into um, developing this wardrobe that's foundational and versatile. So, you know, in, in the beginning, I started like a lot of people with, with what would be available uh, easily, which I, I wore a lot of J. Crew, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, just because it sort of had a Brooks Brothers. That was the style that I that I liked. It's like sporty, uh, but classic, kind of American. Yeah. Um, and then through w- what I was fortunate with is that as I started this, it really like we really sort of were doing it. Um, there was this wave that was starting to happen in online and, and menswear and the influencer industry. There were a lot of women back then doing it, but there weren't a lot of guys doing it. So we were really one of the first, and I say we, because I had, even then I had uh, like my photographer, I would consider like part of the team, same, same person I still work with. Um, but we, we were, we were out there, we were doing it. So um, we got noticed very quickly and like everything that I, that I get into, like, I didn't just like, oh, I'm going to like haphazardly like write a post every now and then, mm. like, bef- like literally before I started, I had mapped out like six months to a year of content of how it was going to go wow. down. Oh my gosh. So, That's so, so clever to think ahead and yeah, yeah. <laughs> make it something you can't fail at either. Yeah. Like, mm. so that you can't run out of inspiration. 
I had done other web-based projects in the past, mm -hmm. so or like written for websites and so on. So I understood the power that that medium could have. And it's not like saying this now, it sounds so absurd because everyone it's like everything is online and everyone knows and pretty much everyone can do it now because you know the camera on your phone is better than most cameras that people mm. would buy back then yeah <laughs> right it's so easy and, and the access to editing software and you can just download these uh you know filters and whatever there was none of that <laughs> yeah um but uh so i i also knew that paying attention to the the back end of things that maybe a lot of people didn't think about like seo and making mm. sure i was keywording properly you know that that also helps get you noticed and it's it's something that takes an incredible amount of extra time to do mm -hmm. but if you're serious about it i think it's something it's a part of the process that needs to be there yeah I, what you've said's kind of like sprung into my mind. Like I remember years ago when I was first looking at these street style photos and being like, wow, these people have amazing clothes and they just happen to be going to these fashion weeks. And then later on down the line, I kind of learned that like, no, this is not by accident. <laughs> this right. is like, these people might not be invited to any shows or, you know, be kind of in the industry as such. But by being strategic about being at the right place at the right time, taking photos that were really like deliberately creating like this, this is their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. It made me believe like, I don't know, believe in this like street style thing. Now we're all kind of more uh, attuned to what it takes to kind of do all of that. But I remember years ago thinking like, these people just wear these clothes all the time. <laughs> and yeah. I mean, in the beginning, it, it's like you can think about it two ways. And, and, and I have to say, like, unfortunately, because I've been around it for so long and in this industry that I tend to take a more cynical view of it. Mm. Um, it um, you know, I used to go in the beginning, like we all did the fashion week thing. This was even back in when they would do New York fashion week. Uh, and it was still at Lincoln center, you know, mm -hmm. not anymore. It's just kind of this weird thing, but you know, I did that for two years and sure it was exciting to be around all the people that, that you would just see online or in their, their blog posts and stuff. But then like over time, as you say, like it just became like this circus of people loitering around, like wanting <laughs> to, get their photo taken <laughs> and I was just like what is the point like why are you here like you have no reason to be here other than like you're you want to have your photo in like a you know New York Times style roundup slideshow like what what is that mm. and I mean you know it takes all kinds and, and everyone's like looking for something different but for me that's just I don't know that's not what it what it should be about it becomes yeah. more about the uh it's like a culture of me and like, look at me. And that's a real distinction that I make. Mm. Uh, and I have made, it's like, I always say there's like two different types of people in this industry. There's look at me people and there's listen to me people. And Ooh. the look at me people 
they're, they're not really going to be my friends or I'm not going to be friends <laughs> with them. You know, it's the listen to me people. It's, you know, what do you have to say? Like, have you really thought about it? Like, what do you have to contribute to the conversation? That's, those are the types of folks that I gravitate towards. So, you know, but that even happens in menswear too. There's a famous trade show that happens in Florence called Pitti Uomo. I'm sure you've heard of it. The only thing that everyone, people knew about that is the awesome photos that you would see of these like really eccentric, dapper men, you know, standing outside the the plaza and smoking their little Italian cured cigars and stuff. And, you know, that, but that was, that's really who they are, (laughs) right? They're not pretending. But then over Mm -hmm. time, people were like, ooh, I want to do that too. Or I want to dress up like that or be the loudest person or just stand here around here, like pretending to scroll on my phone. So perhaps I get put in this like GQ Roundup, you know, slideshow. It's a bit cringe, actually. Yeah, (laughs) there's actually a really funny documentary, a mockumentary they made. Uh, I can't remember who did it, but if you search for it on YouTube, it's like um, uh, something about pity peacocks, Um, and it's like made in the style of like a Wild Kingdom kind of uh, African safari (laughs) video where it's like. And now we see the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's pretty funny, but it's so true. It's funny because it's true. Mm-hmm. But but that's so like, I haven't, I can't tell you the last time I've been to something like that. Um, and I pretty much have stayed away from fashion weeks unless there is a incredibly legitimate reason for me to go. Like just sitting at a fashion show, I, I don't care. Like I don't care to like, be seen i don't need my photo taken like that but if i'm like going there like as an ambassador for a brand or like there's some specific activation that we're doing yeah i'll I'll do it for that but i'm not going Mm -hmm. out of my way to to do that um just to try to get my photo taken we interrupt this broadcast to remind you Go follow us on Instagram, starloversubstancepod. Shoot us an email, starloversubstancepeak at gmail.com. Find us on YouTube, find us on Twitter. We've got all the links on our Instagram. You know what to do. Three two, one, and welcome back to the Style Over Substance podcast, everyone. I'm Brian Sakawa, joined by your hosts, actually, Scarlett and Mim. And Mim, I have to tell you, your glasses are spectacular. Oh, my God. So <laughs> <laughs> much. Um, <laughs> thanks. Um, yeah, I think they're great, too. <laughs> what, what brand are they? I, I love them. They are Jimmy Fairley. Um, I don't know if I don't know how international the brand is, but they have they're quite a small, you know, in the past like three years, all these like small opticians have started popping up. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. And they have a couple of stores in London. And I hate to say it, I think this is limited edition. Um oh. <laughs> <laughs> because I went I went hunting for this style. So um, yeah, but they're a good brand. They've got really cool, they've got other stuff. But yeah, Jimmy Fairley. They remind me of, I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Do you know the movie Argo? Yes. 
the the Canadian Prime Minister. Yes. Yeah, yeah. they look like his sunglasses. His glasses. I love we'll, them. We'll put a photo of it on okay. Instagram. Okay. Who wore it better? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know what it is? It's because I needed glasses, especially for distance, and I was like, I I can't get something that's like. Like I'm like I don't want to wear them. Do you know what I mean? You have yeah. to get something that you feel comfortable wearing and that you think they make your face look better. So I went hunting for something. Yeah, it'd be interesting to get your take on, especially as someone who focuses on like more formal styling or more like curated wardrobe. What do you think men's fashion has in store after this? You know what we call the big C. Um, and <laughs> are men still going to be interested in this sort of styling are they going to be even more interested in it I mean we talk about how our post lockdown looks will be and how we'll be like (laughs) even better dressed then (laughs) what's kind of your your view on the future of styling I feel from the perspective that I'm coming from that nothing is really going to change you know Mm -hmm. people will go back to work and have to wear a suit or dress smartly. Um, mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't really think anything is going to change at all. I mean, listen, like a suit has been a suit for how many years, mm, right? There's yeah. not really much you can do to it to make it different. It's just become a uniform of, uh, of sorts of for, for guys. And so I, I really don't, don't foresee any sort of lasting changes in terms of, traditional more conservative let's say like classic menswear and have you found yourself i mean i i know that the u.s is experiencing a very different covid to the uk at times but have you found that it's everyone's been living in casual wear kind of whilst they're housebound or are you somebody who's dressing up every day to keep some form of a routine and I guess obviously you're still working throughout it and creating content where like I guess no one wants to see you in your joggers or your sweatpants (laughs) with some ketchup stains on or something right (laughs) (laughs) um that's a that's a really interesting question and it was one that you know it's like it was been a moving target in a way yeah and especially in the very beginning it's like okay how are we gonna as a content creator like how are we gonna deal with it and almost immediately everyone had the same idea and it was like let's make a work from home outfit video Mm. and i i didn't do that um Mm -hmm. i actually i did I, i lied i did but i made it but i made it focused on my community I asked people to send me their best work from home outfits because what I wanted to do was to, because I had the, the megaphone or the platform that I had, I wanted to let people know that we were kind of all in this together. Mm -hmm. Right. And I felt like having my followers and my audience and my viewers share photos of themselves would show the community that I have around the YouTube channel specifically that, Hey, like we're all going through this. We're all approaching it in different ways. So, you know, we'll get through this together. Um, but as far as like, you know, it was definitely tough in the beginning because it's like, no one knows what's going on. People Mm -hmm. are scared. Like no one, no one knows what's going to happen, what the future holds. So I kind of just 
chilled out for a little while. It's mm-hmm. like, well, what what do people really want to see? And mm-hmm. in the beginning, I'm like, you know what? I don't think people want to see anything. Like they need to deal with this in their own way. And I felt that perhaps just continuing like nothing was going on would have been insensitive and or come off as sort of trite Mm. uh like that you're not affected right right and or that like this is a you know nothing's happening nothing's wrong like we should all just pretend like it's never changed but then i would say over a few months or after a few months i kind of felt like people were yearning for some sense of normalcy, maybe mm-hmm. something to look forward to. And all sorts of people did all sorts of different things. There are some people I follow on Instagram who made a habit of like every Friday, they would post like a photo of them dressed up in a tuxedo or some kind of dinner jacket. And, you know, it was just something that they did for themselves to feel good and maybe, mm-hmm. you know, keep some positive energy going. Um, but I think so about maybe three or four. Well, the other thing that people were doing that I saw that no one really cared about or did not really perform well was like, like, Oh, the other like great idea that everyone had at the same time was like, Oh, let's record like a zoom call and make it a video, (laughs) you know? And that just, it's boring unless you're, I mean, because like, listen, like YouTube is a very visual medium and Mm -hmm. you have to keep the visual cadence moving to keep people interested. So unless like someone is like a real hardcore subscriber, like even look at some of like the big podcasters on YouTube, like Joe Rogan, like there's three three different camera angles that they're using when they, when they cut that podcast together that you're watching Mm -hmm. in addition to like screen recordings and images they put up. So there's a lot of visual information. So this like side-by-side head thing. And we did one video of that with my photographer and I talking about our 10 favorite um, photo shoots that we had done over the years, but like, it's just boring for people to watch. So (laughs) I didn't, we didn't, (laughs) we didn't do that. Um, um, even I was, when I was doing the podcast with my friend in Germany, we were doing that, but like we made a point of having cameras set up and I would have my video editor cut between us. But even then it was still much more of a community video because of the length and so on. Um, but I would say about three or four months getting back on the actual question, uh, into it, I was like, you know what, like, uh, not only for the audience, but for me too, like I need to keep doing something and Mm -hmm. uh so we just sort of eased back into i wouldn't i would say business as usual um so and you know with outfit videos and stuff we'd occasionally get comments like oh well what about masks and so on and so forth so you know but it was i think at that point the communication environment had changed enough that people had sort of adapted to the new way of being and that returning to a more normal style of content was uh, was fine. And I, I think you see that throughout like media and also, I mean, think about back to the beginning, people are like, you know, all these like famous news anchors and stuff are on their phones and it looks bad in their house it's like they're not sitting at the desk that they're usually sitting at so Mm. um yeah um have you ever been to the uk i have i absolutely love it do you Uh, of of the cities i've been to (laughs) of the cities i've been to 
Um, I mean, maybe it's like, you know, you get a sense of a place when you visit there, whether it feels like you or it feels comfortable to you or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and the experiences that I've had visiting London uh, have been phenomenal. So, uh, I mean, I, I was fortunate to to stay in like a cool area. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what you make of it, I, I assume, mm-hmm. uh, and, and the experience that you have. But it just feels like uh, I, I have friends there and we did fun things. And mm-hmm. uh, I liked being close to, I had never been to Savile Row. Uh, oh, yeah. So it was fun to kind of walk around there. And yeah, I, 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 really, I really enjoyed the UK. Or well, London, what do you London. make of <laughs> British or I guess London? Let's let's make it London because Britain is a whole mess sometimes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I know. You... I, I watched The Crown on Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what did you make of like UK British style compared to American style, particularly for the menswear? Um, does it kind of have a similar like feel to your style or is it? kind of very different um what did you make of it i mean there's all sorts of people right it's not <laughs> to say like like we have this you know we can make an image of in our mind of like oh it all italians look like this or all yeah 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 all yeah. londoners dress like this and <laughs> and so on but you know there's like definitely like a a gritty side to london style as well street style and so on um so I wouldn't say, I mean, it's, it's the group you kind of find yourself. Yeah. With, right. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I wouldn't make necessarily make generalizations. Uh, but actually going back to what you said about, um, you know, negative comments mm. uh, on YouTube, I will occasionally get some and the saltiest of among them <laughs> are always from like British people. <laughs> really? British, yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is. Well, because you're not wearing an item correctly or like a British item. I don't know. Uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know. It's just like, um, it's more, it seems more like um, they're not down with just like a more classic traditional style of dressing and they want to let me know (laughs) (laughs) keyboard warriors hey yeah Yeah. (laughs) that's really interesting would you say i know you can't generalize like the us is massive um and the uk is pretty small but would you say in general that brits are more or less casual or smarter than people in the states man that's a that's a really difficult <laughs> answer. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I mean, it, like I said, it depends on, it depends on who you are yeah. mm-hmm. and, and you know, what your job is really, how you, how you like to dress. So. Yeah, that's yeah. true. <laughs> and so who, who are the people that you look to for style and inspiration, especially when you were starting up um, with your blog and obviously wanting to create, I guess this, this plan you had, who were you looking towards to build up this wardrobe and make it what you aspired it to be? I mean, it sounds like so cliche at this point, <laughs> but like guys who guys like me, there's just, everyone has a story about how the character James Bond has affected hey. like their, <laughs> their, <laughs> desire specifically sean connery james bond you know because those are um 
people look at those movies and it just you see this like cool guy and he drives a cool car and he mm-hmm. looks good and he always gets the girl and he has like awesome gadgets to play around with all the time like like who doesn't want to be like that right mm-hmm. exactly um, um but i think what you see with with james bond is like the confidence that the character has and part of that is dressing dressing the way he did um you know i look to as much as I said before, like, you know, it's not about like dressing like old times or the 1920s or whatever. Mm. Like, you know, there are those very stylish and elegant guys from movies long ago that just they wore a suit grade. There was like an, an ease and an effortlessness to what they did. Like I'm talking like like Cary Grant is like one of the first that comes to mind. Um, Humphrey Bogart, all all of those classic male actors. Uh, William Powell as as um, uh, Nick Charles in The Thin Man. You know mm. those those types of of guys. Because not only were not only were all of those people like really dressed really well and, and looked put together, but they were very talented. They're funny. They had a great personality, and it's like it's like the complete package. Yeah. On your website, it says um, that you think style is far more about like than just the clothes that you wear. So would you say it's that like sense of effortlessness in whatever you wear is the thing that makes people stylish? And for example, if you were a, a guy and didn't have like a lot of money now, but wanted to enter into styling, what would you say is like the first thing that kind of initiates you into great style? That's a really good question. I think, you know, it's very timely too, because we're actually putting together a video that I've wanted to do for a long time, specifically for the person that you are talking about. Mm -hmm. Um, It's like, what would be the ultimate beginner capsule wardrobe? Mm -hmm. Like if you had, if, if you were looking to build like this beginning wardrobe and you could have 25 pieces in it, what would those be? Uh, Amazing. And, you know, so, you know, for me, it's, you got to start, you got to have, even the guy who doesn't wear one suit needs to have a suit mm-hmm. and, and a Navy suit and a hopsack fabric, I think is a great choice because it's, it's versatile, makes it easy to break apart and wear it uh, as separates, especially the jacket, mm-hmm. um, you know, add in a sport coat, got to have like some shirts from the dressier side. We're talking like a white poplin shirt, ice blue Oxford cloth shirt throw in a striped shirt and an Oxford cloth too, just for a little bit of uh, pattern, break things up a little bit. And I think you should have a pair of gray trousers as well. Moving on to like the business casual side, V-neck sweater. I'm a big fan of like a plain old Heather gray athletic sweatshirt. Mm -hmm. I think Mm -hmm. it's really good for casual options. You can also like dress down more uh, smarter looks. I think having like a white button down collar is great. Got to have a denim shirt too. That's one of the best pieces for dressing down a, down a suit. It's a no brainer. It gives you like tons of options. Uh, And it really, for me, it is like a sportiness to it that I really like. Got to have Navy chinos, khaki chinos, two pairs of jeans, dark denim, light wash denim. Could do it with four shoes, four pairs of shoes, dark Brown Oxfords, pair of loafers. I like tassel loafers. Um, cap toe boots and white leather sneakers and then um 
coats, I would have a navy overcoat, a navy pea coat, and a more casual coat like a barber. Uh, and then for talking about accessories, I would do just a solid navy grenadine tie, white pocket square, leather belt, and a watch. So those would be my 25 items. Nice. Amazing. That beginning capsule wardrobe. <laughs> that was, that was bum, 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 bum. That was, I know. That was like, I would have been there all day like, um. But that's kind uh, of interesting because going back to what you said about um, men kind of approach styling in a different way. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've really ever approached my wardrobe in a what is essential. <laughs> yeah. It's full of non-essentials, but <laughs> except maybe like, a pair of heels and a black dress and and that's, that's yeah like really... what are those like it's like what are those staple things mm-hmm. that you'll always wear you'll always have an opportunity to wear or even if you don't like a nice black dress right it's mm-hmm. nice to have that like perfect one that you mm-hmm. can always turn to but I didn't even know like like my wife you know she gets I wouldn't say she gets bored but she always wants to do have something new and and like refreshed in a certain way you know so it's like just that same wearing the same dress all the time would 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 get boring oh yeah (laughs) yeah we've spoken about suits from a perspective of they're just far more Um, eco-friendly and yeah just it's it's so much kind of better I guess for your wallet and for the environment to have that approach to styling what do you think Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that actually opens up a completely different can of worms, which is something I like to uh, talk about. And that's cost per wear and mm-hmm. talking about oh, Scarlett loves a cost per wear investing, <laughs> investing in quality. Right. Yeah. Cause, cause you know, you could buy a suit for $50 on like ASOS or something. <laughs> Probably. I, mm. I haven't looked at ASOS in a long time, but, um, or you could spend a thousand dollars or $1,500. And there is a, humongous difference in the quality of that suit it's Mm -hmm. it's going to look different in the way it fits you the fabric is the way it's made uh the the way the fabric drapes on you if it's made specifically for you that makes a big difference too like the suits that i have and one of the shifts that kind of i had to make mentally going back to sort of um you know my journey in this whole thing is like, I think every guy reaches a point when they get into style scare, you know, air quotes there. Mm-hmm. I'm into style where they want to like, they're really into it and they want to show people that they're into it. So like, as a result, mm-hmm. like they might go overboard, maybe too many accessories, colors too loud or things don't really match up together, but it's like this kind of like test and learn that we all kind of do. And like, we're testing our boundaries. What are we comfortable with? you know, and so on. And then of course, like for me, like being in uh, a position where it's like, I'm always posting photos of myself. It's like, all right, well, I don't want to post the same thing over and over again. But then at a certain point I was like, you know what? I'm kind of sick of that. Like what's, what's really driving this? It's not like, it, it shouldn't be about buying something new just to have, just to look different. Right. Mm. There, there's like, so at a certain point I was like, I'm kind of done with that. I just want to like, I'm comfortable and confident. I've found my thing and that's this Mm -hmm. this dressing this way. And there are like, 
there are variations on what you can do. And it became more about uh, fabric and fit and little things like that and texture rather than having a different piece all the time. Mm-hmm. And it's, it is more about you. I, I mean, I guess kind of what I think of is it's, again, it goes back to sort of look at me versus listen to me. Um, I, I don't ever want to be the loudest person in the room. Like, I think your clothing, well, my approach is, is like, I think your clothing should frame your face. Yeah. And the focus should be on you, not what you're wearing, right? Making a huge statement with with something, there's a time and a place for it. But in general, you know, you should be the star, not Mm-hmm. The clothing that you wear that should be secondary. Yeah, the clothes shouldn't wear you. Mm. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't come up with that. Trust oh. me. <laughs> yeah, we <laughs> <laughs> I wish. Um, so, who, who are your favorite menswear designers that you kind of look to time and time again for either inspiration or lusting after something? Do you follow the catwalks or yeah? I would say I don't really follow fashion uh, per se. Mm -hmm. Um, I can, being from like a creative field, I appreciate the creativity that goes into it. So like I, I think some people who gravitate towards the type of style that I do are very dismissive of, of fashion uh, right. and because it's like, oh, well, I won't wear that. Who's going to wear that? Like, yeah. you know, sometimes, especially like runway shows, that's not what it's about. Mm-hmm. It's about. Yeah. It's, it's not about walking down the street wearing that. Right. Right. It's, it's, it's a showcase. It's like a museum in a way. It's a showcase of a designer's creativity. And, and uh, I'm all for uh, pushing boundaries and innovating. I love that. I think it's, I think it's really cool. Is it for me? No, but mm-hmm. I'm not going to. Uh, talk down on it or say that's stupid um so but for me i guess like one of the designers that i would look to or point to as just like a like a north star would be ralph lauren Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah i mean that it's a very short list and that's that would be the top for that's me. That's the list. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then, then you know, you can also get into what's really interesting about men's suits uh, and um, uh, classic dressing like that is that different tailors have different types of signatures. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, they're all very subtle and different. Like there's a very specific way that Neapolitans make a shoulder, right? Mm-hmm. Um also, there, there's um, since we're talking, I'm talking about shoulders. Um, one of the tailors that I uh, have worked with a couple times in London is Edward Sexton, and he he along with Tommy Nutter really revolutionized Savile Row back in the 70s. They just mm-hmm. returned uh, to Savile Row. They were uh, in Knightsbridge, but they just moved. They opened a shop back on Savile Row again. But like, it was before. Sexton and Nutter, British tailoring was very, I would say, uh, or my, my, uh, what I think is it was very stuffy 
it didn't really reach out to a new audience and connect with the younger people. So Sexton and Nutter were making suits for like Mick Jagger and the mm. Beatles and Twiggy, you know, so all of a sudden tailoring like took on a different uh, and their way of cutting a suit was very different. It was very unique and they still have that style today, but like it introduced tailoring to a new generation that wouldn't necessarily have been inter- interested in it or thought about going to Savile Row for mm-hmm. tailoring for. Um, and I've worked with uh, Edward Sexton for a couple of things. And one of the distinctive features of his suits is how strong the shoulder is. Um, I have a white dinner jacket that he did for um, my wedding. And then I also have a double-breasted, kind of like a royal blue flannel suit. And it has a very strong shoulder. And uh, like uh, there's a tailor in uh, Paris, uh, Schiffinelli. They have a very specific way they cut the lapel i mean all these little differences like if you know and you're really like attuned to that you can look at them and say oh that's that's an edward sexton suit Mm. Mm. so on and so forth yeah amazing oh taylor i think i wish i'd worked in tailoring to be honest i always wanted to but it's just so intricate and so there's so much skill involved it's a real art yeah following on from what you said do you think that you've seen more interest from like younger and younger people to buy into tailoring? Or do you think it's just for those like those who are a little bit nostalgic at heart or have the sort of working environment where it requires them to wear a suit? Or do you think it, you know, younger people are getting into that just in general? I think yes to all of those questions. Um, and it's all, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, I think, um, and everyone has all sorts of different reasons for why they want to, you know, improve or, or, or put some thought into how they dress. A lot of times for me, I, I have this friend and he's like my, uh, I, he's sort of like the barometer. And I feel like he, he represents like a lot of men in the United States and that like he got to this point where he is like, he's married. He has, you know, three kids, a dog, um, <clears throat> a single family home, two cars, everything. It's like, you know, that, and yeah. there's a certain point he was like, you know, he's going to weddings and maybe he wants to go out for a nice dinner with his wife. And he's like, man, I don't have anything to wear. He's like, I'm sick of dressing like I'm in college. Like I want to know, like I need to have these mm. things because mm-hmm. when I have an opportunity to do it, I want to look good and I want to feel good about myself. And I want my wife to be proud of me when I'm standing next to her. And like for, for him, that's like, that's, that's the driving factor is to, is to like feel good. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's something that I, that I hear uh, from a lot of people that, that follow and watch a channel and so on is like that sort of sentiment where it's just a desire to, to kind of upgrade and like make a change and, and, and start to feel better about themselves. What is the one fashion, like no, no in air quotes that you think still works? Fashion. No, no, that still mm. works. Yeah. Just one or can I pick two? You can pick five if you want okay um i think people there are certain rules let me tell you some guys 
love rules and they're like such sticklers for them. Mm. Uh, and, and honestly, like when someone getting into it, they, they think about it too much. It's like, if it looks good, it, it is good. If it doesn't mm-hmm. look good, then it doesn't work, you know? So, and other, everyone has different tolerance tolerances for that. But one of the things I hear is like, can I combine black and brown? Yes. Oh, yes, I you can. I think it looks mm. great. Yeah. Same thing with like black and navy. Yes, yeah. it can work. Right. So those, those are like the two big ones that come immediately to mind. And mm. um, what is your most worn item in your wardrobe? Hmm. I would say the pair of dark denim selvage jeans I have from Double RL. Nice. What's your favorite item in your wardrobe? Favorite item. And it doesn't have to be clothing. It could be an accessory. It can be, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> I'm like looking around the room right now. <laughs> what is the favorite what thing? I <laughs> yeah. Um, I have this brown Donegal tweed jacket blazer with suede elbow patches that I love this time of year. It was like one of the first pieces I ever had made for me about eight years ago. And the fact that I still wear it and love it um, and that it still fits is, uh, <laughs> makes me love I it even it. more. <laughs> yeah. Um, next question. Do you prefer summer fashion or winter, winter looks? Winter. Very easy. <laughs> the layering? Layering, there's just so much you can do with fabrics and layering and texture. And yeah, there's there's just more options in outerwear, scarves. Mm, that's yeah. one thing that like peeves me when I see some some like influencers and stuff. It's like they have these really nice looks, but then I'm like, I live in England. It's cold. I need a mm. jumper with it. I need a cardigan. <laughs> I can't wear like this like blouse with just a coat it doesn't mm-hmm. work it doesn't work <laughs> <laughs> um and finally for me um what is the like something that you want to get next to add to your wardrobe collection what's Ooh. missing what's missing well there's always something missing I- honestly i'm going to be really boring here again i want a very very nice pair of just dark brown oxford shoes like from a like a church uh, not like a crockett crockett and jones are you gonna say churches yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah maybe not not anymore (laughs) yeah something from uh crockett and jones or edward green amazing and my last questions to you is i know you have um a watch collection Mm -hmm. if you could save one out of a burning building which one are you not leaving behind that would be my Cartier Tank American mm-hmm. because that was uh, my wife's gift to me on our wedding day. Oh, nice. <laughs> what a nice Great gift. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining us, Brian. You've been yeah. such a pleasure to talk to. It's been great talking with you. Thanks. Thank you again. Thank you so much. <laughs>
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.